Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Now we are reading in the book of Ephesians. We're ready to read chapter 6. In our last session we read chapter 5. And at the end of chapter 5, Paul is teaching how husband and wife should be toward one another, love one another, and care for each other. And then here in the first of uh, chapter 6, he's going to go into children and he's going to continue on from there. I feel like Paul <clears throat> has been teaching the uh, folks at Ephesus, um, teaching them more rather than needing to correct them more, which he has had to do with the other congregations. And it's not to say that he didn't have any correction for them at Ephesus, but it just seems like they were further along the path doing well and that he was spending more time actually teaching them. That's just my observation as we've gone through here. So he's going to continue with his teaching to them. Uh, he was talking about, uh, like I said, husbands should love their wives as uh, Jesus loved the church and gave his life for the church. That's how we should be for our wives and wives should love and care about their husbands and show, you know, due respect and etc. So now we're going to move on. Uh, he's going to talk about children here. This is Ephesians chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 1. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right, for obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor, esteem, value as precious your father and your mother, and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial, or unreasonable, or humiliating, or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them but bring them up tenderly with loving-kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now we're going to enter an area which some people, I think, believe is kind of odd nowadays. He's going to talk about slaves. Now, we, what we have to realize is that back, you're talking 2,000 years ago, um, and <laughs> we, we say 2,000 years ago, but really... Through time, through time, as long as there have been warring nations and factions of people, there has always been slavery because a lot of times the conqueror would enslave the loser. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. It's to me, to me, that's not right. However, I imagine that that was a slightly better alternative to just slaughtering them wholesale. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but people are not always nice. And they weren't back then. And I can tell you that people of every color <laughs> have been enslaved at one time or the other. Okay? And it's, it's just the way things were in the old days, in the old world. That doesn't mean we should be doing that now. It does not make it right or make it correct or make it moral ever. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying we do have to accept that that happened in history, historically. It happened way before the birth of Jesus, and it also continued to happen afterwards. So Paul, knowing 
knowing that some Christians, some people, were going to be slaves, he was he was uh, given them, you know, these instructions. Now there were various ways you could become a slave back then, and it didn't matter who you were or what your skin color was or anything else like that. Now, if you were born a Roman free person, okay, in the in the Roman days, if you were born a Roman citizen, it was harder for you to become a slave, but it was still not impossible that you could end up a slave. You could commit a crime and end up being a slave. You know, or you could just end up being destitute and not able to pay the people you owe, and you could end up being their slave. You know, again, <clears throat> there were worse fates than that, but there were also a lot better fates, so I'm not saying it was good or moral or correct. There were people who were decent and good to their slaves and treated them more as um, an extension of their family but that was probably the lower percentage of people. Most people were probably, as we would say, pretty, um, you know, pretty callous, uncaring, and then you would always have another low percentage that were um, that were awful, that were despicable. But those two extremes on the ends would be low percentages. Most people would be probably in the middle and be like, eh, you know. And I'm not saying that's right either. I'm just saying that's that's probably the way it was. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, because that's that's the way people tend to uh, tend to be. We tend to gravitate to that just middle uh, ground, you know. Um, anyway, so slavery was a thing, okay, and it was and it was for anyone. If your um, if your country was uh, conquered by another country, if you lost in a war. Um, if you committed a crime, if you became destitute for any number of reasons, any of those things could put you into slavery. Okay, and that was true even you know even a few hundred years ago, um, and then eventually they got rid of things that would uh, that they got they got rid of that over time in the in most of the modern world. Even today, I imagine that there are probably pockets of places where older traditions live on and people still do things like that. I'm not sure of that. I'm not saying that's 100%, but I'm saying I would not be too surprised to find out there are still little similar practices that exist that maybe we're not totally aware of. And I'm not talking about any kind of criminal activity because there could be there could be slavery going on that is criminal activity, but I'm not I have no idea if that's really a thing or not. So anyway, Paul gives this advice because it was a matter-of-fact thing. This is a certain percentage of people. This was their lot in life, okay? And these were olden days. It was, it was a hard life, okay? And I'm not making a lot of it, but this was his advice to them, and this was his instructions for them so things would go better for them. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your earthly masters with respect for authority and with a sincere heart, seeking to please them as service to Christ, not in the way of eye service, working only when someone is watching you and only to please men, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, rendering service with good will as to the Lord, and not only to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. 
Now you notice here, you can also apply this to, and because he ends it, whether he is slave or free, you may not be a slave, you may actually be uh, a workman. You may be, you know, not truly a slave, but you may be somebody that's a workman for hire, or like, you know, like a lot of us, we work for, you know, we work for someone else. Someone else pays my paycheck, I work for them. You could go so far as to say that is a form of, you know, servitude, and it, it is a form of, of service. I provide a service that my employer pays for. So it is a form of service. It's not true slavery. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making that comparison. Sometimes we may feel, <laughs> we may feel like it's slavery or, or like we're indentured servants, but, you know, really it's, it's, we're trading a service for pay and it's not, it's not the same. But, but you can relate the two as far as in these verses, you can relate those two together in that when we're working for our, our employer, in that case, that would be our boss or our master. We should be working as to the Lord. We should work diligently and good for them. We should try to do the best we can. Um, and not only work good when they're standing over our shoulders looking at us. You know, we should always try to endeavor to, to do well in our job. Um, sometimes, I know we have times where we're tired of our job or we're... Hmm, we're um, kind of ready to move on. Maybe things haven't been going well. Maybe you have an employer, like you can have, they could have masters or people um, who weren't necessarily the best to deal with. And maybe you're like, yeah, I'm ready to move on from here. These people are not being the best to me. That's understandable. These things do happen. So, um, <clears throat> so you can kind of relate it to today. Now, and I'm not saying that working a job is the same as slavery. It, it's really not. Um, when you were truly a slave, your compensation was that maybe you ate and you had a place to live. You know, that that was your compensation. Um, so that's what it is to truly be a slave. You're you're under someone's control totally, and and you only have what you have at their mercy. Okay. So I'm not trying to equate the two, except in the fact that you work for other people the same as we do as an employee. So I'm saying it can relate, these verses can relate to us in that way. Okay? So, and there are various forms of things, because there was such a thing as like serfdom and indentured servitude, which was practically being a slave. I mean, for all intents and purposes, but it was without without some of the, the punishments and cruelty that, that could come with slavery. But it was still pretty bad and cruel. But, uh, you know, you'd have to read about that. There's a whole lot of history of people not being nice to people. And we know this. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's history. That's just the way it is. That doesn't mean, mean that it was good or right by any means. But we need to teach that history so people know better so people know not to do that not to be that way all right so moving on in verse 9 you masters do the same showing goodwill toward them and give up threatening and abusive words knowing that he who is both their true master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him regardless of one's earthly status so here masters or employers or 
you know, whoever you are, rich people, however you want to think of it, you know, treat the people that you hire and that work for you, treat them well, be be good to them, be decent to them, don't be threatening and abusive, and realize that, you know, God is master of all, and you're going to meet your master at some point, so you want to make sure that you are uh, treating others well. That doesn't mean you can't be the boss. You can be the boss. And sometimes you have to be the boss. You have to lay it down, you know, lay down the law and say, look, we've got this to do. It has to be done. I don't like it either, but that's the way it is. Let's get to it. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you got to look at somebody and say, look, you're not doing your job. You you are not doing it. So, you know, I don't want to be mean or cruel to you. We've given you opportunities, but you're not doing it. So we're going to have to let you go. You know, I understand these things happen. I hate that. And I'm sure the people that go through that hate that. But nonetheless, <clears throat> I've been um, I've been laid off a couple of times in my life. And I was fired once. So it happens, you know. I, I, was, I was a lot younger, but still, that doesn't really change the fact that that happened. It, it did. And um, <clears throat> I will say this about the time, that time I was fired, while they gave a reason, it was for a very minor accident. I was working at a warehouse, and I had, uh, we were loading a truck, and I had dropped a small TV, and that, unfortunately, it bounced off the dock, and it, and it broke. I mean, it really inside the box even though it was in the box and cushioned it still it still broke it damaged the tv and that was you know that was a, a, a small tv worth you know maybe a couple hundred dollars and that was the reasoning to let me go but i think something else was probably going on maybe they were looking for a reason to downsize i don't know but nonetheless um there had been a lot more destructive accidents as you can imagine at a warehouse than that i mean i had seen people wreck a whole stack of doors worth thousands of dollars and and you know big refrigerators with the forklift things shoved through them and yeah i'd seen a lot of things worse but anyway i was fired for whatever whatever reason there was they they said that was you know why they fired me now i had not had just so you know i had not had any other accidents i had not damaged any other goods that i, I am aware of so um that was that was always a weird one, um, but that's the way it was. And then there was a couple other times in my life I was laid off, and then that prompted me to to change things in my life and get uh, get more of an education. And uh, you know, these were things actually; these were proddings that I needed to get me to uh, do something, <laughs> do something else, because uh, I needed to. Uh, straighten my life up so i ended up uh, going into the air force and um and well i really did uh, i learned uh you know I, I went and i got some some training and i got some education uh in my off hours and uh, you know bettered myself and that was good that was good for me that's not the way that's not the path everybody should take but that's the way i went and it worked for me so um but nonetheless um why I got off on that, I do not know. I apologize. But um, we should definitely, you should definitely be treating, if you're an employer in any way, you should definitely be treating those people that work for you nicely and truthfully and as, you know, real and legitimately uh, as possible. 
So let's move on. Paul has some. This is the last <clears throat> chapter of F, of Ephesians. I started to say of Ephesus of Ephesians, and um, Paul has some good teaching here at the very end. And then this is this is the end of the letter. And I'll need to uh, I'll need to come back and do a summary of this. So uh, in verse ten, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from Him. Now <clears throat> he says this in conclusion. He's he's wrapping the letter up. And he's telling them this. This is for every occasion and for everyone. Okay, this is this is what this is intended to be. So, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from Him and be empowered through your union with Him, and in the power of His boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for His precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. And that's because our <clears throat> our struggle is not truly a physical struggle. It is a it's mental, emotional, and spiritual. That's that's where our real struggle is. And so that's that's what Paul is saying here. It is spiritual, it's mental, and it's and it's emotional. And uh, we you know, we need to be prepared and protected and ready uh, for these for this this type of fight, for this type of warfare, because you're fighting for your very soul, your very spirit. You're, and it's eternal, your eternal soul, your eternal spirit. You're, you're fighting for that. You're fighting to keep yourself, you know, with God and not be drawn off, not be uh, deceived and lured away. So, therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, the personal integrity, moral courage around your waist. It's like your belt. Let's see. Um, they, they said uh, in the old days, they would have said girding your loins. And... Um, this was because what you would do is you would tie all this loose stuff up and make sure everything was tucked into your belt so that you could take action, you know, so that you would be able to run, charge, fight, do whatever without that clothing, all that loose clothing being in the way. So you have the belt of truth. And we need everything that we do and all our action and everything to come from truth from moral integrity and courage that's how that's how everything is bound together okay so that's around our waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness an upright heart and having now the breastplate of righteousness we have righteousness righteousness through God but we put that on through prayer through repentance to him that puts us in right standing with him 
And that gives us that breastplate of righteousness, that defense um, that protects our heart. Because that's what, that's what repentance and praying to God does. It protects our heart. It strengthens our faith. It does, it does a lot for us, and I'm probably not mentioning all of it, but you get the idea. The idea is you're protecting your heart, your vital, your vital organs, your vital area. You're protecting your, your heart, your spirit, your soul with righteousness by how, do, how, how are we righteous? Because we're not really righteous. We're righteous through Jesus. We pray to God. We repent. We get forgiveness, and that makes us righteous. Righteous with God. We're in right standing with God as his child. That's that's what we're saying. Okay. <clears throat> and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm footed stability and reading and the readiness produced by the good news. Okay, so the gospel of peace on our feet, like our shoes, gives us like it's like he's saying here, gives us sure footing, good footing. We know, when you know the gospel, when you know um, the Lord's teachings, when you know what the Bible is teaching you and what God has said, and you can be sure of what he has told you and what, what you should do. You know, the Bible instructs us and tells us God's will, okay? <clears throat> it's not a specific, oh, today's Tuesday, you need to go, you know, plant your beans or today's you know it's not anything specific like that but it does tell you God's will in that you know how to treat one another how to love and care for one another and um, so knowing that gives you sure footing in that you know you know you're grounded in God's word and you know what you can and cannot do you know what to do you know that you are following his will as best as you can it gives you sure-footedness it gives you stability it makes you prepared and ready to do whatever you might need to do for God and for yourself and your family and it gives you that stability um, you're not you know you're not being knocked around all the time and falling over and flopping around you know on the battlefield that will get you killed okay if you're off your feet you're dead okay that's that's usually the way it went on the battlefield back then if you were off your feet you were dead so, that's why this is so important. You have to have your feet, um, the old way it would say shod, but you have to have, you know, you have to have your feet firmly planted in God's word. You have to know um, what God is telling you. You have to know his instructions for you to be, to be firmly planted, to be steady, to be um, stable and ready. It's just... Uh, that's just that's just the way it is. That's the way things work. If you don't know how to do that, you know, in a lot of the martial arts and everything, one of the first things they teach you is a stance. They teach you how to stand. They want you to stand a particular way to make sure that you are able to move correctly and, and, and take the proper actions in the right way so that you're stable and balanced. And this is the same thing, except we're talking about in a spiritual way. You have to learn. God's word to be able to stand and to be firm and to know that you are um, in his will doing the right things. So the only way to do that is to read God's word, 
is to study God's Word or listen to God's Word. However you however you study, I say read because I read, but you know whatever however you study is fine. You need to study God's Word, and I don't mean you need to be able to quote chapter and verse. I'm horrible at that, really. <clears throat> I'm not very good at that at all. But you do need to understand what He's telling you. That's that's what's important. It's not the the chapter or the verse. It's not the book. It's it's what is God's instructions for you. That's what's important. What is he telling you? What he's, What is he saying to you? Get that. That's the important part. All right. <clears throat> so, let me move on. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith in which you can extinguish <clears throat> all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, faith is our shield and it does. Our faith quenches out all all these little darts, as we say. Um, does it say arrows here? Let me look. Uh, the protective shield of faith, which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And those flaming arrows are just, you know, it, it can be mean-spirited things. It can be doubts. It can be all kinds of things that that um, that uh, Satan and the world uses to 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 try to destroy you, to try to tear down your faith, to try to make you feel like, you know, um, well, they try to tell you God doesn't exist. They, there's all these things, okay? Um, but anyway, we use our shield. We lift up our shield in front of us, and our shield is faith, kind of like the old warriors did. Um, they had a large, like the Romans had a large shield that they would, lift up in front of them or lift up over them depending on they had different movements they did and depending on how the archers were and what they were facing um, they had a they had a turtle <laughs> kind of a turtle move where they would have shields all over and all around them they would all raise their shields in such a way as to protect the whole group um, so that was uh that's that's what they did, and that's kind of what it, this is being compared to, having the shield of faith to lift up and protect yourself from all, you know, all the world's craziness, all those all those uh, things. It can be, like I said, it can be mean-spirited things. It can just be doubts. It can be all kinds of things that the uh, the evil one, that Satan, and and that the world would throw at you to try to make you doubt and uh, to make you lose your faith in God and to walk away and it, it unfortunately I mean it's just a fact we need our faith we need our shield of faith how do we build that faith and how do we stand firm and hold that shield up again through the word of God having our feet uh, firmly in the word of God is how that's how we do that that's how we build up that faith and that's how we're able to stand and hold that shield you know so that we can extinguish all those all those doubts and fears and bad things. Okay, continuing on. And take the helmet of salvation. Okay, the helmet of salvation is the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge that you have been saved through Jesus, that, you know, no matter what else happens, no one can take that from you. Okay, once you have been uh, once you have accepted the gospel, you've accepted Jesus, you've been baptized into the body of Christ, into the church, even even if you're not 
a, a, a good productive person like you would want to be for whatever reason, even if, um, you know, you're not, you know, even if you feel like you're the least of the least, that's, that's how I feel a lot of times. I don't do anything that is, you know, you feel like sometimes you don't do anything of value, you know? Anyway, no matter how you feel, no matter how that is, if you, even if you think you're not, no one can take that away from you. Even even if you're not very productive, even if you're not the best Christian in the world, no one can take that away from you except you. You have to give that up and walk away from it. As long as you don't give up, God won't give up. The Lord does not give up. He didn't go through what he went through just to give up. So stick with it. Keep that helmet of salvation. No matter what, you know that you were saved, that God loves you and cares about you, and you know that you are one of his. So you hold on to that no matter what else, okay? But along with that, you know, you really do need to be, um, you know, studying God's word in some manner as best you can just to help strengthen everything else. But whatever you do, don't let go of that, the helmet of salvation. You know, and that, you know that you have that, and that helps give you some peace and some joy and some, um, I guess that's the main things, peace, joy, I'm trying to think of, <clears throat> you know, it helps you be, uh, it helps to protect your mind and your emotions a little bit, um, well, actually quite a bit, because you know that no matter what, it's going to be okay, and no matter what, when this life is through, I'll be with God, so it's okay, even though things aren't going Maybe the way I want here, maybe things are a fight. Maybe I am having trouble in my spiritual fight. Um, but you know that things things will be okay even if we struggle here. Um, we just need to keep keep remembering that uh, we have the helmet of salvation and, and try to keep our mind at peace with that. So, and then also, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay? The Word of God is our weapon. It is our weapon because it is what we use in every way to attack the enemy, the spiritual enemy, to defeat Satan in our in ourselves and around ourselves. The Word of God is how we do that. Okay, just like we I say we need to be grounded and stand firm in the Word of God, well it is also our weapon. We need to be speaking God's words, we need to be praying to God, praising God, all those things, and you, you get all of that, you know, through the word, all of those things are part of our, our uh, spiritual weapon, the word of God. It's a two-edged sword, it, it can, it can, you know, be a, a great blessing, and it can also harm you if you're not careful. So, you know, we need to make sure that we are applying that correctly, speaking God's word correctly, and um, applying that in our lives. So, so the word of God is, is our weapon, though. It is what makes everything else, you know, all that armor and all this protection is good, okay? This is all good things, you know, truth and having righteousness, and salvation, and having faith, that's all good, but then we need the Word of God 
to push on and to do more than just stand and be firm, but now we need the Word of God to move forward, to make progress, and to defeat the enemy in our lives. So, <clears throat> now, we're going to move on to verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season, in the Spirit, and with this in view. Stay alert with all perseverance and petition interceding in prayer for all God's people. We should all try to pray for our um, for all the body of Christ, for our congregation, for all God's people. Um, I try to include a little bit of that in my in my regular prayer. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I don't say that like ooh. I just mean you know it's something we can easily do and try to include. Um, it is kind of a general thing because we don't know specifically what everybody needs, but we can still pray for them, and and God acknowledges that, and I think God uh, honors that. And here in verse 19, Paul says, And pray for me, that words may be given to me when I open my mouth, to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I am an ambassador in chains. And pray that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly and courageously as I should. This is wonderful. You know, we try to pray something similar for our our preacher or whoever is presenting at services. And we should. We should always pray that, you know, they will be able to present everything in a, uh, in a, in a bold, understandable way that we will learn and, and learn, that we will know and learn something new from God's word, because that's always good. Okay. In verse 21, Now, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, I, I'm really unsure how to pronounce this name, so, so just uh, forgive me. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. This is the person that he sent this letter with. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and that he may comfort and encourage and strengthen your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters, and love joined with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying and incorruptible love. And that is the end of chapter 6, and that is the end of Ephesians. Next will be Philippians, but I need to do a summary of this. You know, there's a lot of good teaching here. And I know this has been long, but um, when Paul talks about putting on the armor of God, we really, I, I did not do it justice. You really need to look at each piece and understand what he's saying it represents and, under, and try to understand how they used it in, in a real life form back then and then how that relates to us spiritually. I, I'm sure I did not do uh, justice to it or the best job, uh, but... You know, in the in the few minutes we've had here, I did try to at least expound upon it a little bit and try to make it a little more understandable. Um, if you go back and look at how they fought and how they did things back then, it would make some of that a little more understandable. Since I was not an armor, uh, um, um, a warrior back then, uh, I probably don't know it as well as uh, someone who had actually done that. But still, it's a good example. And uh, and he did continue also in this chapter his uh, 
this thing about children and masters and slaves. And that, that had to do with going back in the previous chapter with uh, talking about husbands and wives and the family and how we should be with one another. So his, his whole teaching here to the Ephesians was, was, uh, was very good. It's all about how they should be living their life uh, in Christ and how they should be as spiritual people and how they should treat and act towards others. So it's very, very important teaching. Uh, I'm going to go and do that summary and come back and uh, present that. That may take a little bit of time. Sometimes the summaries take a little while, so it uh, it sort of eats into some of my other, uh, you know, it sort of slows me down a little bit, but I think it's worth doing just because it helps cover the overall letter and I think it can provide some uh, meaningful information, and it certainly helps me to study it and look at it a little further. So I hope it does you. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe, and remember, God loves you.